Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. What screws us up the most is that picture of what we believe it should be. And we're not open to what it could be. But what it could be, could be infinitely better. That is something that my guest on the podcast this week, Katie Dean, said, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. The unexpected and the unplanned so often turns out better, but our first flinch is to fear the unknown and hold on tight to our ideas of how something should be. I love this chat with Katie as it is beautifully raw. Katie opens up about the challenges of being a solo mama and how she made the decision while being seven months pregnant and having a toddler. It honestly blows my mind. Katie talks about living with a low level of panic, the importance of internal observation, getting out of your head and into your body, and as Katie says, to check yourself before you wreck yourself. We also dive into the topic of fear and how you need to lean into fear to become brave, how there are no negative feelings, just uncomfortable ones, and the different beautifully messy phases of parenthood. I hope you enjoy my conversation with a truly wonderful woman, Katie Dean. Katie Dean, welcome to my home. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful space. Uh, thank you very much. And as I was saying before, anything that looks good in my life has uh, everything to do with my, my wife, Inga. She's <laughs> the one who, who makes things look great. Incredible. Um, so today on the podcast, I have a feeling that we are going to dive into all things brave mm-hmm. and your, your new book is titled Becoming Brave. But to start off, I want to chat about the other side of brave or maybe where you were and and I'm sure where many people are before they step into being or becoming brave. So what was life like for you before brave? Scary. (laughs) Um, No, I, for years, I, when I look back now, um, because hindsight's 2020, don't you love that? I was always scared of something and I didn't even realize it at the time because fear can manifest in a million different ways within our lives and within our bodies. And so I was always scared of what could go right. I was scared of what could go wrong. I was like a incredibly overzealous overthinker. And unless someone, you know, explains that to you or points that out to you or talks to you about that sort of thing, you just, you know, you think it's normal. And while there's nothing abnormal about having a passionately over, um, overachieving brain when it comes to problem solving, that can be really draining. So for me, it was like always living with a low level panic. Mm-hmm. and overanalyzing every possible situation and even when things would go right it was just that um underlying fear that don't get too comfortable because something's about to go wrong and yes there was like a bazillion chain of events in like everyone's life growing up and that sort of thing um where things did tend to snowball and go wrong quite often but my ability to cope with them was terrible and so um, instead of actually being able to feel my feelings I ran from them Mm. I numbed them out I exercised over it I partied over it I worked over it I got in bad relationships I won't say bad relationships relationships that probably weren't right for me at the time or um, that would help me be my best self Um, again I just sort of tended to morph into whatever I thought everyone else wanted me to be because that's growing up right Mm. like that's what I thought it was all about and I was so nervous to come into my own that and because I wasn't living my truth I was always just trying to figure out what to do next instead of just being what what I was doing what were you nervous about Oh, this is a, it still comes up. It's a funny when you work out what the fears are 
then they still show up now it's not being enough that I was going to get judged I think um, that I wasn't going to be loved or fit in and that I was going to do something wrong that you know that there was always this pressure that I'd put on myself subconsciously um, and it's not until reflecting back that I realized that so many of the things that I was doing were a fear-based reaction to how Mm. I was feeling so yeah that not feeling like I was enough then led to trying to prove that I was enough and fit in and be accepted or do the next right thing which wasn't the next thing that felt right to me it was the next thing that I believed to be right to fit in Mm. Um, and then now being able to differentiate between the two and trusting myself which I had none of um because we're always born with that fear Mm. that that ability to trust ourselves like look at children starting to learn to walk and all of those things they trust themselves enough but somewhere along the line we things happen or we take on someone else's opinions as our own and then we start to diminish that belief in ourselves and um that's how we then start to seek outside of ourselves often for approval and that validation and when you start to do that you diminish your own power mm. and that's that's sort of what i was doing for years but I, you spoke there about doing things because you felt that that might have been what you were supposed to do you were yeah. you were listening to other people's truths and and taking them as your own and sometimes the people that bring us up the people that love us the most or our friends that are trying to help us and protect us and guide us down a particular path are doing that out of out of love and sometimes then it's hard to step away from that because one you're going into this uncharted water and two you're in a sense kind of turning your back on on those people as well how did you kind of bridge that gap between those paths oh it started well hindsight again i realized that every shit storm that I'd found myself in was because I didn't listen to my intuition Mm -hmm. and I went against that feeling in myself and it wasn't that I had we all have that voice that doesn't use any words it's that feeling that we go oh this would be right but our our um, rational mind which could be coming from the people that raised us our friends that you know it's not necessarily our rules to live by but rules that we think sound okay Mm -hmm. They may not be right for us, but, um, you, you know, it's like, oh, you probably shouldn't go to that party tonight, say, like, back in the younger days. But that would be my gut instinct. Like, don't, you probably shouldn't go there. And then, or, but it'd be like that rational, or that, um, oh, yeah, your rational mind would go, oh, but it's your friend's birthday, you've got to show up, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And so I'd convince myself otherwise. And then by going there, I know I'd put myself in a situation where I wouldn't feel comfortable and then everything would snowball from that. Um, And that going against that feeling was where I started to realise, wow, if I had have just trusted myself, it doesn't need to make sense at the time. Same with job interviews or going into meetings. You know, if you're sitting at a table with your peers and you're like, I really should have said something now Mm. and then you watch the conversation go on and you realize that you've missed that moment Mm. and you could have changed that whole trajectory Mm. of that conversation but you you went oh this would be a really good idea oh but you don't need to say that that's not your place now i was just gonna say it intuition even though i think i pronounced that incorrectly then (laughs) has come up a lot in recent podcast it seems Mm. to be a very similar theme it seems to be like listening to yourself so if if listening to ourselves and and our feelings is really in a sense that that element that's going to deliver peace potentially Mm -hmm. in our life what two questions here why aren't people doing it and two how do people do it I love this question. I'm totally into my intuition at the moment. Why aren't people doing it? It's having faith in something that you can't see. And that's scary as anything for a lot of people. We like to have something tangible. We like to have something that, a 10-step 
Mm. to if you want to feel this way do x y and z Mm -hmm. it's intuition doesn't work that way and we the way that um our intuitive nature works in my experience because i can't speak for anyone else but it's we know we always know we always know what's right for us in every single aspect of our lives do we always like what's right for us not necessarily is what's right for us and what would be the um, the path that would ultimately lead us to our growth and um, our truth. Is that always going to be the path that we think that we should take? No. And so what we believe and the path that's been set out before us when we tend to have those feelings within us, if it doesn't you know, fit the grade and match the path, then we start to second guess ourselves and we doubt ourselves. And, you know, it could only take... Um, one instance where it works out where you do trust your intuition and you go wow that was that mm. feels really good and do you think do you think it is that need to consciously go all right this feels uncomfortable but i'm gonna i'm gonna move with it or is it where sometimes i look back and i'm like man that week was that just flowed really good mm-hmm. what what did i do then and sometimes i try to think of what were the actual things I did were mm-hmm. actually what I probably did was just move with the feeling. Yeah. It, it wasn't that I woke up at this time and I did this and I saw that person. It was just that those things kind of matched my, my beat at the time. Yeah, 100%. And obviously when you start to tune in to this feeling and go, like my whole business and life is done on an intuitive basis, everything, which makes no sense, but it works because... It's all about just doing the next thing that feels right. However, it's going to feel if this isn't something if this is something that's really new to you, it's going to feel really clunky to start like anything. But once you start to become aware of those feelings, and for me, and for the way that I explain it, it's about getting out of your head and into your body, and you know the truth by the way it feels, mm-hmm. and that can start. You can start to practice that and hone in on that with simple things like, what do I want to eat? You know, like going to the fridge, what do I feel like? And it's like instantly we'll come up with things and it's like, how will that, you know, does that feel, do I feel like that? Yeah, you will. And if you go and eat something that you feel like, you're probably going to feel satisfied. But if you go against that and go, oh, but I should just have this because I can't be bothered to make that, you are not going to feel the same as what you would if you listen to that feeling, put a little bit of effort in, or maybe not, maybe you just wanted the ice cream, Mm. you know, but that's like... It's all about acknowledging what you need and how it feels within you. And the difference for me is when I feel like I, when I know what's right for me, it feels expansive within my chest. Like it's an actual physical feeling because our emotions are messengers 100% of the time. Mm. Whether and we so ch- then I guess you need to then be aware of that, that feeling when yeah. things are right. So for you, it was this feeling in your chest yeah. that when you feel that feeling, you're on the right path. Always. Yeah. Okay. And it's like taking those moments and it, like I said, it will feel a little, ooh, a little weird to stop and pause and check in. <laughs> I've said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Like <laughs> I like that. It's, And it only takes a second, but you'll know. And sometimes even mid-conversation, I'll be like talking about something and and then I'll just go, hang on, that's not, that doesn't feel right because instantly my chest Mm. will tighten or whatever it is for each individual. Some people get like a rapid heart rate. Some people get tongue-tied. Some people get hot. Some people, it's whatever the signals are for you and the first step is working out what they are when you're living in alignment and not and the quickest way to find out if you're living in alignment with um what is going to be the ultimately right path for you but i'm going to go off on a tangent you can never really be off path let's Mm -hmm. just but the path that you know to be the truest for you is oh hang on i've totally lost my train of thought now oh because I went off on a tangent. That is going to happen often. So um, we were talking about being on a particular path, but and when you feel that you're off path. Oh, that's what I was saying. The quickest way to realize 
how you're living in alignment is to slip out of it. So we, it's not always about having this perfect path and making all the right choices and, you know, never making a mistake. And I'm using like inverted commas because there really are none. It's about going, wow, that didn't, sometimes the feelings that, oh, that, that decision was not right. That relationship was not ideal. That, you know, that night out made me feel horrendous. And it's not about beating yourself up for it. It's about realizing that that doesn't make me feel good. Okay. So what can I do that does make me feel good? Mm -hmm. And that pulling, coming back into your alignment and your truth. And that's, you know, realizing that that um, path that you've just taken wasn't necessarily right. It's just course correcting. So it's not about making the right choices 100% of the time. It's just being able to pivot and flow and get to know who you are on that other level. And that to me is like another level of bravery Mm -hmm. again. And checking yourself before you wreck yourself, which really should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. is the checking in part obviously the, the the thing that people forget to do? And if so, why is that? Why why do we find it hard sometimes to to look in and, and kind of have that self inquiry? Unless you were like unless you were raised to do that, I mean everyone's always doing the best that they can, but we're so quick to go on autopilot. You know, like it's just, I didn't realize that my, that there was another way to interpret my emotions, like other than what was at face value. Like I thought if I was pissed and angry and acting out that I was actually pissed and angry and acting out, like I was mad about something. But when you, now I know that, you know, angry is just sad's bodyguard for sure. And that, am I, what am I, why am I feeling this way? It's just that. Again, it's going to feel like a little um, segmented and a little steppy, but it really does end up coming down to just taking, you know, 15 to 30 seconds. Why am I feeling this way? What's really going on here? Like, why am I, you know, the second that you realize that you're not feeling a way that you like enjoy, the second that you're feeling that something's not right for you or you've, you know, gone, you've screamed at the kids put my hand up for that that's usually a telltale sign and I'm snappy Mm -hmm. or um I'm feeling really low it's generally not about the fact that the kids have just dumped the lego all out on the floor it's something else and then that's where I'll ask the questions of myself like what am I going on here what what am I really feeling and you spoke about um that feeling Mm. and and checking in with yourself which are uh, skills that you've learnt mm-hmm. along your your path. Was there a moment where you were like, you know what, things just aren't right here, mm-hmm. and 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 you needed to change? What was what was that moment of of change for you, where you you started really learning about these things, and and you just you said to yourself, you know what, Katie, I've just whatever you're doing right now isn't working. We need to try something new. Yeah. Was there a point? There was many. <laughs> I wasn't, there was many, many points over the course, like rock bottoms. But I definitely, one of the biggest rock bottoms was losing my license when I was 27. And that for me was like, girl, you got to sort your shit out because this isn't working for you. You, this is not you. This not thinking things through because even though my mind was going a million miles an hour, it wasn't serving me. It wasn't helpful thinking. It was just whatever it was. I don't even know. But that was a massive moment for me that because the universe throws us, you know, pebbles and it throws us like a rock. And eventually, if you're not listening, you're going to get a big boulder. And that was one of them for me at that time. And to move through that, I could see I'd noticed a million times before, probably every Sunday morning or Monday morning, I'd wake up going, God, that wasn't the best use of my time, you know, and I'd feel dreadful for so many years of my 20s. Like, I wish I could just say it was my teenage years, but it wasn't. Um, And I realized that I couldn't probably just keep doing it the way that I was doing it. 
I fully had to change my life. So I literally feel like I liquefied myself and went into like a cocoon and I shut myself off from everyone and everything and the life that I was living at that time. And it's not like it was really bad. It was just wasn't right for me. It didn't make me feel good and I was making poor decisions um, that ultimately were starting to affect my life. It wasn't just a hangover. Like it was life on a big scale and that that wasn't okay with me. And I realised that my decisions took had weight to them. So I cut myself off. I stopped answering the phone on Fridays and Saturdays. And I decided to, instead of getting home at 5am, I'd get up at 5am. And I started listening to my body. I read Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. That was the first book that, you know, started um, me realising the power of my thoughts and that we have a choice in the way that we're feeling and our emotions. And um, from there, I started, I cleared the path, like I cleared the slate, and then I started choosing how my life was going to look and how it was going to feel and how I was going to show up in it. And I realized that my fear was just a chance to be brave and that I had to interpret it differently if I wanted a different outcome. And that's, that basically started the whole path and changed my life a hundred percent wow and is fear on the on the other side of brave mm. oh they're best friends mm. you can't have one without mm-hmm. the other the yin and the yang yeah i love fear it's my guidepost it's my it's my neon sign for everything in life if i'm feeling it it's my my switch to lean in mm-hmm. it's not turn and run like holy shit this is scary i don't want to go there this is oh what's this telling me what's and is that something that you've learned to do to be able yeah. to lean into it than run yeah because ultimately it's like you know when we're raised or anything it's like that's scary or don't touch that it's scary you know i do it to my children all the time like i'm constantly it's a battle between go you can do anything in life but don't touch that you know like <laughs> stop doing that and that's it's like that catch 22 so we're taught or i don't know i was taught and i have the best parents in the world the most supportive the second of course of course i'm so close to my parents and they're amazing and they're so supportive of everything that i do so maybe this was just all my interpretation of how i was raised and what they were teaching me because they're 100 percent on board with everything that I jam about not that we sit down and have these conversations but we could um but I was thought that fear and those feelings that come up for us those uncomfortable ones and I really don't like the term negative feelings because and I've used it like if you check it back on my posts I'm sure there's a bazillion labeling things as negative but they're the uncomfortable ones we want to avoid them we naturally want to but they're the biggest growth opportunities and you can't move through something and understand yourself until you sit with that. And that's scary as all buggery. Like that's super scary to initially start to go, well, I've got to feel this. Like, what are you talking about? She's off her meds. Like, mm-hmm. but that's those feelings, those, um, the angst, the dread, the, um, the fear, the anxiety, the, the low times, the depression, the sadness, that's there to show you something and communicate with you about how you're interpreting your life at the moment and then how you choose to interpret that. That's your, that's your story and that's mm-hmm. your path. And those uncomfortable feelings, and we've spoken about parents, parenthood here and, and, and mm. kids, um, but you are, and I'm going to use a term that you actually use to label yourself a solo mama yeah <laughs> which i absolutely love i love that 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 terminology but what like that's a, it's a huge thing mm. i find being a parent really challenging Mm-mm. i find it beautiful but i find it challenging um because i sometimes will see my own shortcomings within my my parenting and uh, ingrid and i have one child um and we ingrid and i have each other but being a solo parent my hat goes off off to off to people because I just can't fathom it. But what 
what was it like going through that those feelings those i'm sure they were uncomfortable feelings yeah when you realized hold on i'm gonna make a decision here that will mean that i'm bringing up my kids Mm. as a solo parent yeah What, what was that like Oh, honestly, the decision, because I was 16 weeks pregnant with Oki, um, my youngest now when I'm, when we separated. and So, hold on. <laughs> so, you had one child. One child, Archer. And, and one in your tummy. Yeah. When you come to this decision. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was not like, <laughs> honestly, that decision in that moment is the strongest I've felt about anything ever. There's no doubt in my mind that that was 100% the decision that I had to make and was right for us and the boys and myself as a, like at that time and I've never looked back, not once. However, the, you know, I didn't know I was going to make that decision that day I did not plan on making that decision. However, the months or years leading into that, it wasn't the first time that had come up for us as a couple and as a family. So it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like I've just gone, well, this, is, this mm. isn't fun, I'm, I'm out. Don't like that colour. Like I'm mm. done. Let's try something else. Like it definitely had been, um, I'd processed it unknowingly for years but again and I write a chapter in the book when positive thinking goes bad because I'm all about the half glass half full but at times us being the fixers that we are and you know it's and in this self-helpy world everyone's like choose to see things another way and I I'm like that all the time but when we constantly find ourselves choosing to see things another way and painting things with a different Mm -hmm. brush we may miss the message that's actually there and you know you you can paint a picture a million different ways like you can try and paint over it but eventually the picture is still underneath like the original Mm -hmm. canvas um so that for me that that night i'll never forget it like it was just one of those pivotal moments that my life was forever then going to be divided into before and after. And what were you most scared of? Everything. Like all the thoughts before it, like how would I do this? This doesn't make sense. Like our Oki is a, was a little IVF baby. Like we wanted him. We were in this marriage and everything, but I was so mad at feeling so mad again. And it was just that split second. And honestly, it was something came over me that night that was the most out-of-body experience where I threw the covers back and marched into that room. And it was a strength that came from, not from me. Well, maybe it did. I don't know. Or Oki. He was, he's a force to be reckoned with, my little list boy. Um, But... It was just a slap in the you when you tune in and you feel that bolt and you know that feeling you can't ignore it and it was just I don't know what happened like I marched in there and before I knew it we were having this conversation and it was just like I've never second-guessed it ever but I had second-guessed a million other times where that had sort of presented itself and it's, you know, you, oh, we can't do that. You're in love. You're, you, this is your family. This is, you can't do that to the kids. You can't, all the stuff. What will people think? You're pregnant even, <laughs> like you're trying for a baby. This will change. All those stories that we tell ourselves. Maybe I just need to do more. I need to show up differently. I need to, what if I did this? I just need to be more forgiving. I need to be more loving. I need to be more patient. And sometimes... It's not up to us. You mm. can be all the things, but... And once you made that decision... Yeah. All of those things that you were worried about, the what-ifs... Didn't matter. Did any of them really happen? None of them. Mm. Because I knew 
at that moment that was that it was right for me so it didn't matter what anyone else thought anymore it didn't matter that if it wasn't like that decision didn't mean that everything that flew on from that or followed on from that was going to be easy or that I haven't held my like had the bathroom floor moments going oh my god this is so effing hard that decision doesn't mean that you're going to be guaranteed a rosy path Mm. but I knew that at that time because I did it for me and I knew the truth and my truth that there was no other way that everything that flowed on from that it didn't matter because it did it for me and for us Mm. so when we make these decisions within our life and we make them because they're right for us and our why is so strong and we're clear on what our why is, then we can't be shaken in because our sense of self isn't dependent on anyone else's perception of us. And when we get to that point, then we're okay with whatever comes next mm-hmm. because we did it for the right reasons. And I guess the way that you pictured motherhood yeah. and yeah. and life with with a partner is is different to what it is has as it's kind of unfolded yeah <laughs> what what have you learned about yourself with things not turning out the way that you had predicted them to turn out i'm really working on it's just releasing control of the outcome with everything and I was actually speaking about this in a forum we have for the book, but this morning, it's like what screws us up most is that picture that we think it's got to be. And we're not open to what it could be. We just think of what it should be. Mm-hmm. And what it could be could be infinitely better. But if we're stuck in the shoulds and we're shooting all over ourselves and we're trying to control and white-knuckle it our way through like everything in our life whatever it is then that is exhausting on so many levels and we've really got to choose our heart when it comes down to that sort of thing Mm. and it's the unknown doesn't need to be scary that can be magical and peaceful when we're when we stop trying to control it i 100 percent agree with you (laughs) i 100 percent agree with you because the the unknown has taught me so much Mm-hmm. about myself and I often feel that it's the the unknown can be so much better than mm-hmm. what I had imagined I've just realized I have a crap imagine uh, <laughs> a, a crap way of thinking about things because the, the reality always seems so much better maybe I need to um, work on that a little bit better but letting go and stepping into the unknown it's something, you know, for me, I've been working on it probably for the, say, the last, say, three to four years mm-hmm. and actively kind of stepping in and it does get easier. Um, but for people that are starting out, like stepping into that unknown and, and letting go of the baggage mm-hmm. of our assumptions of how we want things to be of how we want our partners to be yes. of how we want our kids to act of how we want people to see us in our realm that's a lot of hard stuff yeah. to let go of yeah how did you do it i'm still doing it it's day by day it's, it's velcro that stuff yeah, it just doesn't get like off boomerang. <laughs> um it's constant and just when you think you've it's like an onion and it will make you cry but it's just that it's every situation Mm. every decision like these things um when it comes to growth and understanding it's not it's not just like i'm gonna live a positive life now all right i'm done Mm. decision made it's every every thing that you're faced with and every decision is an opportunity for growth Mm. And I mean, obviously, I'm not walking around the house going, what will give me the biggest growth opportunity yeah. right now, kids? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like that. It's often I've gone Don't down you a, grow through picking up Lego off the floor? Oh, apparently. <laughs> so I would be 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's not often until I realize again that I'm doing I'm out of alignment with that and I'm holding on to something that I realize that, wow, okay, okay, I'm holding on to that here. And then, you know, like this morning, 
I realised, or it was last night, um, because we've been separated or divorced now, it's been 18 months mm. since, you know, I've dated or anything. Like I've got a one-year-old, which everyone starts doing the math. They're like, hang on a minute, where did you, you, you've got a one-year-old and you've been divorced 18 months. I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm still working it out. But um, that I don't even know how I would date with children or bring that, like... I don't even know like that mm. and I realized that I the story started coming up like you just can't do it you can't even that's and I was getting really agitated about it and really like antsy about it and then I stopped be, only after I'd gone down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. you know and I w- was really in that that feeling of going well I just can't do it and feeling a little bit sorry for myself going I'm never going to meet anyone how am I going to do this I can't I can't I can't I can't like and then I realized like why am I feeling then I did that self-inquiry I was like why am I feeling this Mm -hmm. way oh oh Katie like I was worrying about you know not being accepted you know like or being judged Mm -hmm. again or um you know, not being lovable because my picture looks a little bit different. And then coming out of that, it's like, well, hang on. I am like anyone who's in my children's lives is incredibly lucky. So there, you know, I can, Mm -hmm. that's, I choose that as my truth. And I think too, when you're talking about, you still can go down rabbit holes. Then they always end up. At the all rabbit holes lead to the bathroom floor yes. with tears and usually a, a Shiraz. But, oh, nice. <laughs> but so it's it's I guess kind of going back to that original question, like how did you let go of stuff? Sometimes you don't let go of things completely, mm-hmm. but but once you learn or at least try to do these things, <clears throat> it kind of creates a new model or a new a new software. To, yeah. to kind of deal with things. So when things kind of get to that point again, you can pause, reflect, okay, what is this really? Yeah. How, do I, how do I get past it? Because you, it's not like you arrive at a point. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're, we cross this imaginary finishing line and then everything is, is beautiful and there's, there's no worry. <laughs> um, but I feel that we can get past a point where where we can deal with those things a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and we learn to deal with them, them, them better the more that we, we practice them. But you spoke about dating and, and, and bringing someone into your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes me giggle still. I'm so not there. I'm like, yeah, okay. But still, like, I'm a high school girl when it comes to that. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. The... You've got kids yes. now, so obviously there's that element of bringing someone yeah. in with that. And I was, I was, a, a listener reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, who married a guy mm-hmm. who had, who has a child. Uh, they live about an hour away from the child, and it was fascinating as as this person was kind of talking about being the like the stepmom mm-hmm. where your your full-time love mm. but your part-time there and that was something that she was yeah. really struggling with because like you know i love this man i love his daughter we're there but but when we're this blended family and they you know they still see the daughter every other weekend or whatever it might be mm-hmm. but her her love for the daughter isn't part-time yeah like that's full-time yeah you know so it's that's gonna be a really i'd never thought about that before no but that's gonna be an interesting navigation for you. I've got Absolutely. no advice for yeah. you. <laughs> no, I think that the people who choose to love our children or any children that aren't necessarily their own are amazing. Mm. And my partner, well, my ex-husband, has in a relationship, they're very happy um, and that's great. And that's awesome. I am... The more people who can love and support my children, the better. And that's what's gotten me through that hurdle where it's like someone else is going to cuddle my kid, but then it's like someone mm. else is going to cuddle my kid. Mm. And that is a perspective that will, you know, um, is far more nurturing for everyone involved. But yeah, getting to the role of that, 
you know, bringing someone in who's going to love them and leave them and that backwards and forwards, it's, yeah, I don't know mm. how to navigate that. It will take a special person to come into our lives without a doubt. My boys are crackers. <laughs> um, but, um, and there's no rush, you know, for that. And, but I was actually saying on, you know, it's funny, like the things that, the times that it comes up where you realise that you are, because most of the time I don't, I don't even notice because we're sewing our little wolf mm-hmm. pack, you know, like we're, we're out of that survival zone of a newborn and that was sad. Like I remember being really sad the day that I had to come home with, a, with our second baby on my own, you know, like as you walk into the house and that did not look how it would. And then trying to handle a two and a half year, a three year old and a newborn on your own, it's like many moments i was like oh my god mm. like I, it was survival mode i just shivered when you said that it was really mm. it was something else but again i didn't allow myself i don't think to really process that at the time but looking back now i'm like oh my god that was rough but now we're into that fun zone i feel like oki's almost walking we're like communicating the boys are playing and it is a shit show a lot of the time but like this morning, Oki was walking down the hall with his little walker and Archer was reading his book in his room, which is like, I didn't even tell him to go in there. I was like, who are these children? Look at them. Like they're, they're growing and they're doing it and we're doing it. And that was really mm. like one of those proud moments. And I watched them do it a few times. And of course, I grabbed my phone and Instagrammed it because if it's not on Instagram, is it even real? And then I'm like, oh God, why didn't I just save this for myself? And then see, then you mm-hmm. go down another rabbit mm-hmm. hole. But I was like, no, I'm, I'm really proud of this moment. I'm going to share it. Mm. But yeah, there's parenting, and I was speaking to Renee mm-hmm. about this the other day, is a series of absolutely beautiful moments in really long fucking days. <laughs> and that's the only way. That's, that's for me, like, because it's, it's hard. Mm. And let's not pretend that it's not. And saying that it's hard doesn't detract from the amazingness of it mm-hmm. at all. But pretending that it's all peace, love and mung beans isn't mm. doing anyone any favours. They're, they're unforgiving little people mm. at times and relentless. But they're also amazing. And my eldest son, who's my biggest challenge in life, he's me. Mm-hmm. He th- literally throws things that I say back, throw to them back at me tenfold it's a mirror and i'm like wow mm. that's it's gnarly. so true i'd say to inga i'm like ah, do you ever get annoyed when andy does blah 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 and inga will look at me going mike that's you i get it from her and you <laughs> yeah exactly she's a saint <laughs> mm. it's 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 so true though and i think with kids and parenting it's different stages and i don't know whether it's that obviously the kids are maturing um or as parents we as we parent for longer periods we learn to pick our battles and we learn Mm. to let let go and things like that um andy at the moment she is six and a half turning seven and i was saying to to inga and and also i think my parents a few weeks back i was like i don't know what it is but like just the house has this beautiful flow at the moment everything is just working like andy is engaged within conversation she's growing she understands um you know just to kind of move with things and it's not always your way and all of that kind of stuff and it's just when it gets there i'm sure it'll change but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that andy's changing it could it could be that i've been frustrated about Mm -hmm. something unrelated to the family and i'm bringing that frustration back into the family and then that's other people are um a, a, a changing because of my change i'm not saying that but like when it when the when everything is aligned yeah geez it's beautiful yeah it's music mm. isn't it when it all just flows and that's something that we've started i know at home because honestly to get through a lot of those early days there was a lot of tv tv mm. screen time and that's not what i'm about but i had the mantra it's it's not forever it's just for now and that was with so many things so now we don't have the TV on of the mornings. We have music and the music's blaring and um, sometimes Archer's into it, sometimes he's not and he will let me know. But 
when like that's been happening for a few months and when I got the Mother's Day card that comes home from preschool and it said you know like oh my mum I don't even know but it says my mum sings and dances and she's funny and our house has music Mm. and I was like oh Mm. yes like that's what I want that's Mm -hmm. what I want for them and it wasn't like it's yeah that was everything it's those little signs that everything's flowing right and the kids are like doing more creative play and we do have the tv on over night time because i have to cook dinner but they're into it and they haven't watched it all day Mm. and it's cool but there is those moments of flow and that's where i'm starting to we're in a really cool patch right now although oki's one and he's starting to get his baby rage on but it's still cute (laughs) so that's cool Katie, I've got one final question for you and it's one that yeah. I ask everyone on the podcast and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Oh, we'd definitely start with a quiet cup of tea. Like that is everything. I love getting up before the kids um, and having that moment to myself. And then honestly, I think no plans Mm -hmm. are the best sort of day for us where we just go out and we just see where we end up. And that's the coolest thing because it's like, it just flows Mm. and there is no plans. And then on days where it's all scheduled to the max, not having that feels like such freedom. Mm. And I think think too with no plans, there's no expectation and I think sometimes it's when we and we kind of chatted about it before when we have these expectations and they don't match up with that we go well this was a failure yeah there's no judgment if we go to the beach and everyone loses their shit and it's um, it's like okay let's go home or let's try Mm -hmm. something else let's go to the park and yeah but not having that plan the plan to have no plans Mm -hmm. and just seeing how and teaching them as well, what do you feel like doing? Mm. How are you feeling? And me not going, we've got to do this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. When we just see how everyone's moving through their day because there are three of us, that creates mm. the flow. And we end up like out for dinner, but we end up, it's at four o'clock at grilled and those sorts of things. But when we're all moving together mm. and working as a little unit, they're definitely my best days. And I think to you know, asking the little people in our lives what do you feel like doing and doing that with them? That was a huge lesson that, yeah. that I learned when, when we were traveling because I was with Andy the whole time. And it's like, well, what do, what do you want to do today, Andy? And then that feeling, that flow, it kind of happens because you're not forcing. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, kids, you're doing what I want to do today. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and then towards the, you know, the seventh time we've gone to Bunnings that day, we wonder why yeah. they're cracking it and they don't want to get back yeah. in the car. Yeah. And I mean, there's days where we have to do that and just get things done. And that's part of it as well for children or my kids. Like, we just have to do this. Like, we're Mm -hmm. a team. You've just got to take one for the team today. But that acknowledgement that, you know, they do have things that they want to do and they do have feelings. And I know that I do with Arch, like, three things every night. We embed. It's what was the best part of your day. What was the worst part of your day and what are you grateful for? And some days it makes sense, some days it doesn't. But who am I to judge? But finding that out, then also he's starting to become aware of what the best part of his Mm. day was. And sometimes it's like the worst part is when you yelled at me, mummy. And then we can talk about that. It's really bad that I'm often the worst part (laughs) of his day. But I'm also the thing that he's most grateful Mm. for. So... Yeah, it's mm. that, that flip side and appreciating that, I guess. Definitely. Um, Katie, thank you so much <laughs> for, for coming on, giving me some of your time today, but also for diving deep under the wounds of, of what it is about becoming brave. And, and also thank you for, I know that you do a lot of work with, with women, <laughs> helping them to, to break through their barriers to become brave in their own personal lives which i think is a beautiful thing but if people do want to reach out to you learn a little bit more about you or potentially ask some questions and 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 come and work with you what's the best way for them to do that i tend to hang out on instagram a lot 
So that's you're an amazing writer, I must say. Thank you. Words are my jam. Really, that you well, you, ha- you make some good jam. Thank you. <laughs> I yeah. I've um, Katie Dean. Your wildlife is my Instagram handle. Also on Facebook or my website katiedean.com.au. And we have if for those that like, I do have the book Becoming Brave, and that um, is a really cool pathway for. It's not about me telling you what to do. At the end of each chapter, there's like that that spot, I call it like next leveling it so that you can then take it and make it your own and reflect. So if, you know, because my path isn't anyone mm-hmm. else's path, but there's definitely the book there, which is Becoming Brave, which you can get via my website or any other major book online sellers like Amazon and Booktopia and Book Depository, it's all there. Done. Well, I will definitely make sure that all of those are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Is there anything that I've left out here, Katie? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. But thank you so, so much for having me. This has been fun. More than welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about fun. So thank you again, Katie, and thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. <laughs> Bye. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.